as a kid, I loved listening to stories. One of my most vivid memories is listening to a storyteller tell the tale of a purple gorilla. <laughs> I, was, I was outside. I, I was under the, the night sky. It was beautiful out. I was next to a warm, crackling fire. And I was enthralled with this fantastical story. And in that moment, I, I think I found the magic of stories. I'm not sure what it was or how to explain it. But since then, I've found that almost everyone seems to like a good story. And you know, interestingly, one of the most common ways that God communicates with us is through stories. He has a book that's full of them. The, the Bible is filled with illustrative stories, with historical narratives and poetry. Even Jesus used stories in his teachings. He used parables. Really, the Bible is a storyteller's dream because there's so many individual stories in it, but from it comes this grand narrative. The Bible, it tells the story of mankind. It doesn't just tell the, of mankind's history, but of our future. It's the complete package. We, we can use it to look back or we can look forward. But most importantly, we can look inward. Who are we? And why is God so interested in, in telling us stories? Hey, welcome to Pickled Parables. My name is Jesse, and I love the Bible. Hopefully, through this podcast, you'll gain a love for it too. This is uh, provided, this is all provided and offered by, by Parable Ministries. It's supposed to be uh, presented as like a, a resource for teaching and for instruction from the Bible. And Parable Ministries, it, it, it was founded for this purpose, the purpose of, of teaching, for, for offering biblical counsel, and for encouraging people. And we offer podcasts and some special devotionals that have been uploaded to our website. And, and if any of that sounds interesting to you, then, then you know, continue to check this out and, and check out the, the, the devotionals on the website. Oh yeah, that's, that's at parableministries.com if, if you're interested. But this is Pickle Parables. It's our, our teaching podcast where we offer biblical exegesis and instruction for the sake of of spiritual growth. And we're really excited to have a, an immediate introduction of the, the biblical basics. So welcome to our introduction series. Now let's take a look at what might be the most famous part of the Bible story. The Bible is an incredible book. And I think what makes it most fascinating to me is this consistent thread of a storyline. From the, from the first page to the very last, it tells a detailed story. And that's amazing because of how it was written. You, you see, it, it took centuries to write, and it took around, around 40 authors to write it. And that's typically not how stories are written. That's pretty unique. There, there's no other book that was written and put together like the Bible. And the story that's 
told in it is weaved throughout the entire book. If you've heard of this, this grand story before, then it's, it's possible that you might have heard of a, a portion of it called the gospel. It's probably the most famous part of the story, and rightfully so, because it's, it's, it's the pinnacle. It's the high point of it all. But if you're unfamiliar with this story, then the word gospel it might not give you much of a hint as to what this story is about. It's supposed to be like a, like a title for this part of the story. It, it's supposed to tease or describe the, the upcoming content. But this title, it might not activate much in our, in our modern English imaginations. And that's because it's, it's an old word. And it really hasn't seen much use outside of Christianity. And so that means there's, there's not other words like it or that are similar to it that we could think of and, and draw comparisons to and, and come to an understanding of what the word meant. Originally, it was a, an Anglo-Saxon word that was pronounced differently. It was pronounced as God spill. And if you look at it and dissect it and, and check out the root meaning, that the word God spell meant good spell. And right at the time, spell meant something different too. It, it meant something like narrative uh, or story. Today, we think of spells as like a, like a magical practice, or not even that. Maybe it could be like uh, you could sit down for a spell, right? Something like that. But, but that is something the word has changed into. And similarly, the word God spell began to change over time into what we say today, gospel. And thank goodness for that. It means good story, though today we, we often refer to it as good news. So the, the main description that we have for this, this gospel story is that it's supposed to be good, a, a good message, a, a good story, so something, something that you hear. And, and if this were a chapter heading for this, this section of the Bible, it would probably be called the good news. So what is it? What is this good news? Well, it starts in a place called Bethlehem. You see, centuries ago, there, there was this, this huge census, a region-wide census, where the, the Roman government wanted to, wanted to count their population. Really, they, they wanted to catalog their population. And so everyone had to go to their hometown, and they had to check in with the city officials to get counted. But one of the families traveling to Bethlehem was carrying a little more of a burden than the others, metaphorically. And literally, the carpenter Joseph had his new, his new wife, Mary, and they were expecting their firstborn. But the circumstances surrounding this pregnancy were kind of weird and mysterious, and for some, a little suspicious. You see, Joseph didn't cause this pregnancy, and Mary was pregnant before they were married. Because of their culture, the rumors were very popular, and they easily became headlines. And so because of that, I imagine that there was a lot of gossip about Joseph and his new bride. And what that meant is poor Mary would have received the blunt of it. I'm, I'm sure this had to be really hard for them starting out a family. It had to be tough <laughs> starting this new family. 
But when they arrived in Bethlehem, it was time for this, this baby to be born. But they couldn't find a place to give birth. Everyone had traveled to their hometowns, and Bethlehem was already at full capacity. They were too late. And so they found the most private place that they could. They, it turned out to be a, a shelter for animals. And they delivered a baby boy there. Then, later that night, a, a bunch of shepherds came running into town. That was unusual. And they were out of breath and they were causing a commotion because they were looking for someone. And as soon as they, they found this newborn baby, they bowed down and worshipped. Now, what's going on with this kid? Really, I mean, how is this good news? <laughs> this just seems kind of weird. Well, in order to, to understand and, and really appreciate the good news of this baby, we first need to be aware of the bad news. The bad news started in a garden. It, it was a beautiful place. Really, it was a, a little slice of heaven on earth. And it was meant to be the epicenter of God's creation. Because in this place, God dwelt with people. And not only did he rule over them, but he invited them to like participate in his royal authority. He, he gave them charge of the garden. He, he let them name all of the animals. God was still sovereign. He, he still had uh, his, his like rule over them. They were still under his protection and safety, but they were joint rulers with him, and he had given them a place of honor. God gave mankind responsibility and the freedom of choice. Now, you might be thinking, well, that, that doesn't sound like bad news. That sounds, that sounds pretty good. And yeah, everything about that is wonderful. But that's the setup. That, that's why what happens next is catastrophic. God's adversary, a, a created being who rebelled against God, came to the garden and he tricked the people. This, this Satan, this adversary, took advantage of God's people and he led them into a rebellion of their own. They rebelled against God. And what this meant is that now the people, the, the co-heirs, were guilty before God because they deserved a punishment. They, they had lost their honored position and they were ashamed of themselves. They had lost their birthright. They, they were no longer co-heirs with God who received his power and his protection. They were now subjected to fear. Through this tragedy, the, the Satan, the adversary, became known as the prince of this world because mankind, the, the people who were given the world, had, had lost their place. They had lost their crown. They had turned away from their God and they were now in danger of Satan's rule. In essence, the bad news is that mankind had fractured their perfect relationship with God. And now, they were in a place of, of guilt, of, of shame and, and fear. And this is something that we all experience now. But God made a promise to his adversary. This is what he said. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He, meaning her seed, 
will crush you on the head, and you will bruise him on the heel. This was a promise, specifically a a promise of defeat. A, A person, someone, would rise up from the seed of a woman and crush this adversary's hold on humanity. Now, this is kind of a unique promise because women do not produce seed. They, they carry the seed. So this, this gives the impression that something out of the ordinary was going to happen. But a, a, a promise was given. That was something that was understood. A promise was given. Someone, a, a, a conquering savior would come. And it sounded like he was going to be bruised, meaning he would, he would have to suffer something but he would win a freedom for mankind. And as time went on, God continued to explain more about this promise. Prophecy after prophecy was given about this promised person. And in one prophecy, it was revealed to a prophet named Isaiah that this Savior would be known by many titles. This is what he said. For to us... A child is born, the the seed of the woman. To us, a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. This is a a, a fascinating revelation because these are, are, are titles. And specifically, these are titles of God. Everlasting Father, Mighty God, the the Wonderful Counselor. That's from Psalms. But then, the last title. Isaiah called this person the the Prince. The the Prince of Peace. If he was talking about God, why why wouldn't he just call him the the King of Peace? If God's their creator, he's the, the ultimate authority, why wouldn't he be called king? I believe that God was teasing his plan. You see, the, the Satan was known as the prince of this world. But God was going to accomplish something so great that it would bring peace to this this ultimate rebellion, and establish a new ruler of the world. The government would rest on his shoulder, on this prince of peace. He would take a position of rule. He would one day rule the world and introduce a kingdom, the kingdom of God. So the question now is, who is this this prince of peace? Is he somehow related to God, if he has other titles that, that seem to be God's titles? Who, who is he? How, does, how is he related to God? And that was the question people were left with until that fateful night in Bethlehem. After the baby's birth, there was a phenomenon of the skies that, that opened up and, and an angelic messenger came to a group of shepherds, the ones who, who ran into town. And they were outside of the city. They were taking care of the sheep. But the angel came to them and told them, fear not. <laughs> that was something they needed to hear. Fear not. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy. This is the gospel. 
that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, in, in, in Bethlehem, a Savior, who is the anointed one, the Lord. That's why the shepherds reacted with such excitement. This baby was the promised person of the Old Testament. This baby was the Lord, which was a reference to God. Now, interestingly, Mary had received a a similar message before she became pregnant. An angel appeared to her and, and told her, Behold, Mary, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you're going to call his name Jesus. This, this baby, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, the Son of God. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David. It's talking about a bloodline. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Again, talking about coming through a bloodline. And of his kingdom, there will be no end, right? Because the government will be on his shoulders. And Mary said to the angel, well, how how is this going to happen? How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel told her, don't worry, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High, the power of God will overshadow you. Therefore, the, the child to be born will be called holy. He will be called the Son of God. So the Prince of Peace is the Son of God. Right. I mean, Prince, that makes sense. But you know, it it doesn't sound like God had intercourse with Mary. She, she still called a virgin even after she became pregnant. So how did God have a son if he didn't produce him? Well, the angel explained it, said the the Holy Spirit will come upon you, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The the angel explained it as if someone who who already existed, like like a a pre-existent person, was going to be placed in Mary's womb. This was supposed to be done by the Holy Spirit and the overshadowing of the Most High. That's, That's what the angel said. So, so who is this, this pre-existent person? This divine baby was God wrapped in flesh. You, you see, God is presented in the Bible as a deity of three persons. The, the Holy Spirit, which we saw mentioned, the Son of God, which we saw mentioned, and God the Father, which we saw called the Most High. Each is equally God, but he exists in three persons. And what this means is that this divine baby was in a unique situation where he was fully God, yet willingly became fully man. So he could position himself into a place that no one else could. Jesus was fully God, yet fully man. So that means that Jesus could be our substitute for, for the punishment of mankind and potentially cover our guilt. He, he could be in a place and, and reach out to us and, and give us a place of honor, thus replacing our shame. 
He could offer us intimate protection from both the prince of this world and the righteous wrath of God for which we actually deserve. This baby could be mankind's salvation. That's the good news. But that's not all of it. Once this divine child grew into a man, he he launched a public three-year ministry to prepare the world for the kingdom of God. He taught, he, he healed people, and he warned that mankind's rebellion would ultimately lead to their own destruction. But in an act of rebellion, in another act of rebellion, humanity took Jesus and killed him. And and they didn't want to just end his life. They wanted to kill him in the most painful way that they could. So they nailed him to a wooden cross and they let him suffocate. That according to the the practice, it's, a, it's an old ancient practice of, of crucifixion. The, the victim's arms would be placed above their heads so that it would become difficult to breathe. And so in an effort to empty the lungs of, of the building carbon dioxide, the, the victim would push off of their nailed heels to try to control their diaphragm. But time after time of, of pushing off of their heels, it would, it would result in the skin right below the ankle, to be rubbed raw. And it is certain, we can certainly say that Jesus' heels were bruised. But this wasn't at the feet. Because through this, this act of sacrifice, Jesus crushed the serpent's head. Jesus faced a a punishment for something that he didn't do. He was shamed, stripped of his clothes and put up onto a wooden cross. He was shamed even though he was an honorable man. And he hung on that cross in distress because he didn't exercise his divine power. He, He let them kill him because he was sacrificing himself for them. Jesus died because he stood in the gap between mankind's deserved punishment and the love that God has for them. However, because of Jesus' nature, death couldn't hold him. Three days later, he, he, he was resurrected. He came back to life. And he now offers this new life to anyone who wants to live in his victory. Jesus took a punishment so that we don't have to. Through Jesus, we are able to have a restored relationship with God. He can remove our guilt. He can remove our shame. He can remove our fear. And we can live the way that we were meant to live. After his resurrection, Jesus stayed for a while and and taught and and comforted his, his followers. But then Jesus left this world to prepare a place for us. But he didn't leave us alone. He gave us the Holy Spirit and promised that he would return to 
the world, to earth, to formally claim the throne of rule. He would instate the the universal kingdom of God, and he would be in the fullest sense the prince of peace. This is the good news of the Bible. In the, in the book of Romans, chapter 10, it, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. My friends, we, we must live in the victory of Jesus because we are, we're wallowing in our own defeat. We need restoration. We need salvation. And I think we know that. We can find this through Jesus. I want to thank you for listening today. I'm really excited to begin this journey with you. This ministry, it's a personal passion of mine. And we at Parable Ministries want to share the stories and lessons of the Bible with anyone who would listen. So if you'd like to to stay up to date with this podcast, then go ahead, please subscribe or follow or love or like whatever option it gives you. And, and that will let you know whenever a new episode comes out. We're, we're planning on, on a weekly basis on, on every Thursday having a new, uh, new episode come out for you. But thank you again for listening, and I hope you have a great day.